You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Sex and relationship advice you can use tonight. Hello, hello. This is Jessica O'Reilly, your friendly neighborhood sexologist. And I am here today with, I guess, my favorite, but my scariest guest. Quite the uh, introduction. (laughs) But my favorite nonetheless, Brandon, my husband is with me because I kind of just sprung it on him on Instagram that we're going to do a podcast all about fighting and what we've been fighting about lately. So go ahead and say hello. So I'm I'm here to start an argument with you so everyone can listen in and and, and our techniques. Yeah, I know. He came down and he goes, should I start a fight with you now or once you start recording? And I'm thinking neither. I hope not. Neither of the above. I hope we don't get into it here. But I think it's important that we talk about fighting because if you follow on Instagram, uh, if you follow me or Brandon or both, you probably follow me. I'm Sex with Dr. Jess and he's where in Toronto, Brandon. You see all these happy, shiny photos and we're having a good time and we have a pretty damn good life and there's no arguing with that. Life is good. But despite the good life and despite a pretty good relationship, we definitely fight. Of course. And nobody puts a negative, a bunch of negative photos or, or photos with them arguing with their partner on Instagram yeah, or right? Facebook or anything for that matter. Yeah, that's true. And I think I'd feel too vulnerable putting the fight right out there. Like I'm willing to talk in general terms and maybe we'll get into some of the specifics of what we've been fighting about lately. And I have to admit, I'm a bit nervous. I feel a little bit weird because... I'm used to talking about sex and relationships from a research perspective, digging into the data, hearing other people's stories. But yeah, telling my own is uh, puts me obviously in a different, more vulnerable position. And then having Brandon here to call me out (laughs) if I lie (laughs) makes it all the more vulnerable. So I guess we'll just jump right into it. Uh, Yeah, what I was trying to say is you see the shiny side on Facebook, but obviously we fight. And sometimes people will say, oh, you look so happy. I can't imagine you fighting. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't imagine us not fighting. Yeah, it was like, we've had some doozies. (laughs) Yeah, and they're not like yelling and screaming, furniture throwing fights. No, I hope we never get there. Yeah, I'm not very strong with furniture anyway. (laughs) Our our furniture is very heavy. Our furniture is really (laughs) heavy. But um, (laughs) what we've been fighting about lately, I would say the number one thing we fight about is technology. So using our phones iPads, computers. If you look around us right now, we each have three devices. <laughs> yeah, and they're all running. And uh, more importantly, I think, is how often or how much we use them. It's not even so much that we have the technology or, or the devices. It's that they are the first thing we're checking in the morning, and they are the last thing that we're checking before we shut down for the day. And starting usually begins between 7 and 8 in the morning. Or and 6 and 7. <laughs> yeah, depending on what time zone you're in. And yeah. it can run depending on what I have going or where you are. I mean, I've worked until 12, 1 o'clock in the morning. It doesn't happen that often, but typically between 9 and 10 at night is when we're shutting down. So technology is not the problem, the volume of technology. And again, I'm a big fan of technology. If you follow my work, you know that. I believe that technology does more to enhance relationships than than detract from them. But the problem with technology is how its use can make you feel. So I'll talk from my perspective. When we're at dinner and you reach for your phone, or when you bring your phone up into the bedroom when you promised you wouldn't, 
Or when you say, oh, I just got to return this one text. It's not about the text. It's not about the phone. It's not about the bedroom. It's about the way it makes me feel. And that's unimportant, right? I don't feel valued. I don't feel like I'm enough to distract you. I feel like you're not really with me. Um, and I know that this definitely flows both ways. Yeah, I don't know if I'm the only one who feels this way or feels... <laughs> well, what I mean is I don't know if I'm the only one who feels this constant need to be checking to see what other people are saying or doing or if I'm getting any messages. And when we're out at dinner or if we're having drinks or if we're anywhere for that matter, we both do it. It's not like I'm the only one who does it, but I do feel this need to check my phone and there's always a reason or a rationale for it oh, I've got a uh, somebody I'm expecting a phone call or I'm expecting an email or a text or yeah or something but the real question is why and yeah. I don't have an answer I'm putting it out there maybe somebody has an answer for me but I have this incessant need to be checking it's all a the compulsion. time well you know what it is I think for me it's making sure that everything's okay yeah I think yeah. that's what it is I always want to know that everything is in good order so that I can nip a problem in the bud so it's a fear it's a fear yeah. that something is gonna go wrong at work because we both we both run businesses something's gonna go wrong and you're gonna miss it yeah, or there's a problem that requires my immediate attention and not responding for an hour or two is the difference between me fixing it and it turning into some big fiery mess, which, let's be honest, 99% of the time isn't going to happen. Yeah, well, I mean, so it's it's an irrational thought. It's what we call like a cognitive distortion where you're catastrophizing something that hasn't even happened. And I'm going to admit something that's kind of weird. Um I'm kind of embarrassed not to tell all of you, more embarrassed to tell Brandon. Sometimes we're at dinner, so we go out for dinner, and we do, we make a commitment not to use our phones. Like, we're pretty, not all the time, but oftentimes the phones are in my purse or in his pocket, and so we're not using them because we want to be present. And then when Brandon goes to the bathroom or gets up to wash his hands, hang on, it's not just that I reach for my phone, this is messed up. It's that I... Uh, <laughs> you don't even want to tell me right now, go. No, it's that I feel a sense of relief that I can check my phone because you've gone to the bathroom. Well, and you don't have to listen to me anymore. Yeah, well, that's true. That's the relief that you're gone. No, yeah. no, no. I'm like, finally, I don't know if he tells me one more story about that deal. And yeah. yeah, no, so there's this, how do I say it? We've created a norm where checking our phone is the standard and not checking it is the anomaly. When in fact, socially and in an intimate environment and in an environment where, where we're supposed to be connecting with one another... We need to shift that norm so that not checking our phone is the norm and checking it is the anomaly. But, uh, you know, and, and there's some ways that you and I have uh, aimed to do this. Sorry, just to let you know, folks, I know this, this podcast is usually quite structured and I try and keep it to the 18 to 20 minute mark, but we have no plan. We're just going to talk about our fights, technology being the first one. So we might go a bit longer. We might ramble a tiny little bit. But we, we do have some rules. So, for for instance, one of the rules is that we do not take our phones upstairs to the third floor where our bedroom is located. And we break this rule sometimes. I break it pretty much every single day. Do you? Probably. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because I'm always running up there and I got my phone in my pocket. And okay. I make... That's a bit different. I, I mean, like, we're not purposely taking it up. I mean, if it's in your pocket, it's in your pocket. Yeah. I'm not asking you to, like, check it at the phone. But it wouldn't be a bad idea floor. to get into the habit of checking the phone, throwing it on, on a table at uh -huh. the bottom of the stairs before we head upstairs. You get into the habit yeah. of never yeah. taking it upstairs. Like a classroom. So in some classrooms, they have a box where they collect the phones at the beginning of class and then they return them at the end of class. 
Can you imagine they did that in business meetings? Oh my God, your business meetings would be so boring. Yeah, you couldn't be checking you your, your phone. Apple Watch. You can check your messages. There's yeah, I hated the Apple Watch. I, I had an Apple Watch. That thing drove me crazy. I had like 18 things ringing, and I never knew how to turn everything off. I felt like it was my fault you got rid of the Apple Watch. No, it was more I'd be in a meeting, and my wrist was ringing, my pocket was ringing, my my iPad was ringing. It just after a while was the it, vibrating it, butt plug going to? Well, I actually took the watch <laughs> and put it in my pocket for that particular reason. It felt so good. I couldn't wait to get a phone call. So, so we have the rules that the phone doesn't go up to the bedroom. Brandon's suggesting that maybe we have a little table at the bottom of the, the stairs. I actually think that's a great idea. We also have a rule that we shut down at a certain time. Uh, I'm not even going to tell you what time it is because our businesses run late into the evening and I work overseas, so I've got different time zones. But here what I've got a lot of right now is excuses. Yeah, right? we both do, right? <laughs> like I don't adhere to the time frame that we both committed to in terms of shutting off our phone yeah. or our devices. And it pisses um, me off. Like I get, so, here's the real problem. I get so pissed off. Like I get so mad when I see you on your phone. But then when I'm on my phone, <laughs> I'm like, a, it's You're cool. a bit of a hypocrite. I mean, yeah. you are. You're willing to call me out on your problem or on what you perceive to be my problems, but then... I, if I were to call you out, there's always a rationale or an excuse for it. So if I had to describe one of the things that we do fight about, technology is definitely it. Another one is the, the hypocrisy of, of <laughs> what is and isn't okay. And we're, I know we're not here to solve the problem on this podcast, but it is something that I think we're both aware of, that yeah. you're willing to call me out on it, but then you're the one upstairs working on, um, working on your business in the midst of, uh, you know, the, the day when you shouldn't be upstairs. Yeah. No, and I, I think that's true. I know that I'm a hypocrite. Like, if it's 9.30 or 10 at night and I see you on your phone, I'm like, babe, why aren't you with me? Why aren't you present? Why aren't you paying attention oh, to me? Oh, hold on. I got an Instagram message. <laughs> hold on. Somebody from, uh, from uh, overseas just messaged me. Yeah, so I, I think I'm a hypocrite, and um, so I think I need to be – I think I need to be called out a bit more, and for some reason – and we can't delve into this right now. You're a little more reserved in calling me out, whereas I will totally call you out. I'll be like, babe. So so, so tech is the number one thing we fight about. And then I want to talk about this other thing we fight about because we've been fighting about this for like over a decade. We've been together, is it 16 years? You tell me. I know exactly how long we've been together. <laughs> He's better at the anniversaries than me. But yeah, it's 16 years. And I think we've been fighting about this almost since the beginning of the relationship. And this is so silly. And this is evidence that oftentimes what you're fighting about is not actually the subject at hand. It's the underlying values, messages, and feelings attached to that subject. So we fight about food. <laughs> Yes, we fight very much about food. More about the getting of food. Yeah, so I get I I, I come from this family where food is is very important, where we had our meals together almost every like morning and night, especially at night. Um, my family's really into food. We we love it. We relish in it. We take pictures of it. We post it on Facebook and then we kind of like drool over each other's food. And I like cereal. And Wonder Bread. And, I don't know that I would go <laughs> so far as to say Wonder Bread, uh, but I definitely am not as focused on the pleasures associated with food and a meal and preparation. Even over the holidays, I know that you take a lot of pleasure out of making homemade truffles and the, the, the painstaking process <laughs> that, this, that this involves. It blows my mind. I'm like, you spent three days making these truffles. 
I don't get it. Like, just get some chocolate, stick it in your mouth. Yeah, so, so it's not our difference in, I guess, value we place on food that's the problem. It's the behaviors attached to that. So I don't really care if he wants to eat cereal. Uh, I don't think you care if I want to eat at a Michelin-starred restaurant. And you always come with me. Like, Of course. I've, I've introduced you to a whole new I world of food. I very much enjoy the Michelin-starred restaurants. It's just not high on my priority list most evenings to make sure that that's the quality or the caliber of food that we're that we're eating. Okay, so here's the fight. The fight is about preparing food, making dinner, or ordering dinner. Uh, I love to cook, but I do travel about four to five days a week, so I'm not cooking as much as I used to. And so when I come home, we Uber Eats a lot. We order a lot of food, and there's you know great restaurants around that deliver. But I get so pissed off at Brandon because I feel like he never orders food. I don't expect him to make dinner because he doesn't really cook, but I feel like you never prepare food. And like, you know, right now, because we're not fighting about it, we can talk about it. Mm -hmm. But when I come home, I came home from a, a long or a relatively long trip in Asia the other day. And I think I just wanted him to like... <laughs> came home to an empty fridge. There was some booze and uh, yeah. probably milk so I could make coffee. And... Yeah. And I just wanted him to like, you know, not make dinner, but even consider ordering dinner. But he can't order dinner. Like I... They... No, it's a, it's, it's a combination of variables as to my rationale and my justification. Because I always have a reason for it. I, I always believe that there should be a, a reason for your actions or your inactions for that matter. So when it comes to food, you are spot on. I do not ordered food. I rarely do I choose the restaurant. I, I, I say that I'm indifferent, but I think it's more about, I realize how much pleasure you derive from food. So I think I place that onus of responsibility on you to decide every single night what we want to eat. And it's not as though I'm unwilling to, to assist with the preparation because I will not make it because if I make it, it will be terrible. I Unless you that. need me to <laughs> grill something, uh, which I usually don't mess but up But even too if bad. we grill stuff, I've got to go pick it. I've got to go buy it. So we fight about this. I mean, it's partially a division of labor argument. Um, although I will say overall, I don't feel... I don't feel like I do more than you. Like, I feel like the division of labor is fairly even. And I also feel that, sorry, guys, we're just like talking this out. Rambling on here. <laughs> um, I also feel as though, because I travel so much, that you pick up a lot of the slack. So I don't know. So I guess I think it's a division of labor argument because it's a household task. But in fact, it's really about doing something that makes me feel important. So because food is like a way that my family shows love and care. And if you've been to my mom's house yeah. and you know how much effort she puts in, this woman not only cooks fabulous food, my mother, but she makes jam. She peels all of the skin off the grapefruit and puts it in <laughs> containers for us. She makes soup containers. You know, I, I don't know if you know this, but my father lives with us. My parents are divorced and my dad's 74 and he lives in our house. And But my mom even packages up a separate container of food for him, even though they're, you know, long divorced. She's, a, she's an excellent cook. Yeah, she, and she's just a really thoughtful, giving person. And some of my cousins with whom I'm the closest, we also share a lot of our, our love through food. And so I've kind of, you know, tried to explain to Brandon over the years, like, this is what I want. And he gets frustrated. And I think it's partly, too, you're afraid that you're going to make me or order me something I don't want. Yeah, of course it is. I mean, you can you can start to see how these underlying issues come forward with every topic we're discussing here with the technology. It's all about making, I, I'm not focusing just on you here, but it's about 
showing you that I care and that I'm willing to take time away from something else and let you know that you're the most important person. The same thing with food. The food is not about the preparation or the, or the cleaning up or anything. It's again about making the effort to make you feel important, to recognize that you feel important. And I think as we're talking this out <laughs> and this is coming forward, it's a lot easier for me to see what is important to you and how I can fix that and make that better. But it's, uh, we do, we have very different kind of core values or I'm sorry we don't have very different core values we have different things food that values. are important. food values <laughs> yeah that are that are important to us and I guess I should also say um because I tend to be an all or nothing person and I really? think that's shut up. really <laughs> I think that's the next thing we should talk about but this morning we came in from Portugal last night so there's no food in the house but Brandon went to my favorite coffee shop Sumac Espresso around the corner in Toronto might really like it's my home away from home at home and he picked me up a sandwich, and Mike makes amazing sandwiches. And so you do do these things. Yeah, that's also that was that was loaded because I also went there for for a for a morning espresso. Yeah, so. but you still got it for me. So it's not like you don't do these things. And sometimes when in the moment I'm maybe I should mention this when I'm hungry and I get angry Ooh, and angry. I'm hangry, I I I'm like you never do this. And that's I mean that moves us to our next issue that we fight about, which is, um, how we fight. Yeah. And I mean, I, I would say that, and we, we've talked, I brought this up before to you in the heat of the moment, you are very short-sighted. Yeah, that's true. And so whatever, like I, when I love you, I love, 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 oh, love, love, yes. love, love you. And when I'm and mad at you, I'm like, get out of my life. It's You're the worst the thing ever. It's the end of the world. It's, yeah. you cannot see, what is that saying? The forest through the trees yeah. or. It's a major cognitive distortion I have, which is all or nothing thinking. So I'm either all in or I'm zero in. And there's like no one to 99 when I'm angry. And, um, that's, what are you doing? That's, I'm just listening. That's the biggest problem when we fight. I um, Yeah, so usually it's not what you fight about, it's how you fight. And so one of the things that I have to work on is that all or nothing thinking. And simply being aware of it helps. The second thing is having Brandon be able to call me out in, in like a supportive and caring way, not, not saying like, you always do this, <laughs> which is what I do. So that's, yeah, that's my struggle when I fight. When I fight, I'm really bad at seeing the bigger picture. So if you've done one little tiny thing to wrong me, which inevitably some in every relationship you're going to do, you're going to hurt each other's feelings. You're going to neglect one another. I'm like, Oh my gosh, the, the sky is falling. This relationship is a mess. What are we going to do? And I need, um, I'm lucky that Brandon, you have like your feet on the floor and you're like, babe, it's going to be okay. Uh, you're really good at apologizing. Uh, you're also the, the thing that Brandon does best when we fight is he keeps pushing through like there's never a moment where he's like oh I've had enough uh, he always conveys to me even when we're really mad at each other that he cares about me and that this is his priority and that he's willing to keep working to make it better and so over the 16 years I've picked up maybe one percent of those skills from him and uh, yeah I'm con continuing to learn so the the third thing as I said we fight about is how we fight my all-or-nothing thinking and I learned from him because he's definitely the opposite and then my problem with you when we fight no there's no problem we're good that's it I'm glad that you highlighted that's it. Podcast, the podcast done no mic drop yeah my problem don't drop the mic it's don't the only one the I have yes. um 
My problem with you, I have some notes. Oh, would you here like me to highlight this? what my problems are and no. then and go? No, on? it's that you make excuses. When you know you've done something wrong, you're not your nice, loving, caring self. You make excuses, you throw around accusations, you get aggressive. Not aggressive in like a physical way, not even in terms of raising your voice or anything like that. But uh, yeah, you're not the nicest person. When we fight, you're okay, but when you know you're wrong and you haven't been able to reconcile that yet, you're a jerk. Angry Brandon has a problem sometimes <laughs> remembering what he's said. So it, it does present some challenges. But yeah, I mean, over the years, my um, my fighting or arguing techniques have changed. <laughs> <laughs> I make it sound like a martial art. It's, uh, I, I know that when I was younger, when we were in our early 20s, I would reach a boiling point really quickly and I'd probably yell or, or just blow a gasket. And over the years, I've learned a bit to stay a little bit more calm and collected. But I, I do, I have this same sort of problem where we get into an argument, I, I, I kind of, I listen, I debate, we go back and forth, we go back and forth. And if the problem isn't resolved within a timely manner, I then start to get really upset. <laughs> oh, also really, you're... Oh, oh, there's, oh, more, oh there's, there's more to add? No, there's more. Your apologies suck. My apologies do suck. He just goes, I'm very, very sorry, sorry that I did that. He's really I'm good at saying sorry. sorry right away. Yeah. But it's not like the heartfelt... <laughs> Babe, I am so sorry. I cannot believe I made you feel that way. You're the most amazing woman ever. Oh, how yeah. can I make it how, up how to else? you? Yes. Can Here's I rub some... your feet? Yeah, those Let are the me apologies. Buy you a diamond necklace, no, I don't right? want diamonds. I just but I just I, want you sucking up. <laughs> sucking up. But I do I definitely know that that, that I follow I, I follow a pretty regimented path in most of our arguments where I am willing to talk and listen and try to resolve the problem and look for the root cause and and continue to talk it out and push through and push through. And then after a set period of time, and there's no specific amount of time, if the issue hasn't been resolved, I start getting frustrated and um, irritated. And that's when I become the not so great version of myself. Uh, so, yeah, it's easy to talk about this now because we're yeah, not, cause I'm like, not in a fight. Yeah, it'd be kind of funny to actually hear us fight, only not funny. But it would, it would be certainly a learning um, opportunity for us and I'm sure for other people to be like, wow, they're jerks. But yeah, we're not like when, when you're angry, when you basically when your fight or flight response is inactive and your cortisol levels spike and you're physiologically flooded. So your heart rate increases to over 100 beats per minute. You lose the ability to be empathetic. You lose the ability to be rational. And that's that's human. Is it only 100 beats per minute? Because I'm pretty sure I'm like my threshold is like 85. <laughs> <laughs> That's because you have a resting heart rate of like fifty. No, I don't. I do not. But <laughs> so, so yeah, I think um, you know we're human, and this is a universal human experience. So yeah, we fight and we're jerks, and then we have the ability to move on. Um, another thing Brandon does that's really amazing, and God, I cannot like physically bring myself to do this is you're affectionate even when you're pissed off. So like even if he's mad, he'll kiss me goodnight or he'll kiss me goodbye if he has to go. And me, I will pout and I will keep my head down and I will like build a wall. I will put like the laundry in between us so that he can't get to me. And the physical affection, and I always tell people this because I learn a lot from you, babe. Um, I feel like what makes our relationship work is I have the theory, I share the theory, you put it into practice. I put it into practice or I try to. And then I I actually learn from you. But I tell people that 
the most important time to be affectionate is when you don't want to be affectionate, when you really don't feel it, because we know the health, financial benefits, all these benefits associated with physical affection. Like we've seen studies where men who kiss their partners goodbye have a 50% reduced risk of getting in a car accident. They live five years longer. They can earn 20 to 30% more than those who are not affectionate with their partners. We know that it lowers your blood pressure. It lowers stress. It improves recovery from heart attack, from cancer, from other illness and disease. Like we know that being physically affectionate is important and we're not. So now I'm holding your hand for once. But yeah, I think, um, that's another thing that you do really well when we fight. But is... you can see even in having this conversation, some mm -hmm. of these root issues are, are coming to the surface. I mean, any psychologist out there listening or, or anybody who's done any research in the area would see that, you know, my, I, I am, I'm affectionate with you even when I don't want to be because I have a fear. I have a fear of, uh, of something ever happening and not, you know, kissing you goodbye or kissing you good morning or, oh. or, or, you know, touching you one last time. And it, you know, it's it probably is a, a silly way to go through your life, but it is something that I do think about, or I try to think about in the heat of the moment. I don't think it's a silly way. Where I do, I always want you to know that if something were to happen to me, or something were to ever be my last, it would be something caring. It that, can't be your last. Well, no, and 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 it's not, and I'm I'm catastrophizing, but yeah. at the end of the day, I like where I come from. In that respect when we are fighting because I want you to know that this is the most important thing to me and it is something that I value more than anything else that I have thank you yeah I know you you do convey that not at every moment trust no, me like there's moments not. where yeah. I don't feel important um, and I, I think that's that's something to maybe wrap on which is fear and one thing we've discovered over 16 years of fighting and especially last week we had a big fight in Portugal and one of the the other struggle we have is that I travel often so we are apart half of the time and when we're apart, things are amazing. Man, I love this guy from like a thousand miles away. But when we come back together, there is inevitably, without fail, a period of adjustment where we get back into our groove together and we start getting used to going to bed together, waking up together only to last three days and I'm yeah, back really off again. You're gone, but... So we, we struggle when there's a period of time where we're actually coming back together. So in Portugal, we had 10 days together, which may not sound like a long time for many of you, but for us, being in a part-time, long-distance relationship, it's a long time. So we had a big fight the second day, and um, what I got out of it, it was a big fight, um, was that it's fear. Like, ultimately... Whenever we have a fight, whether it's about food or technology or how we fight or our families or any sort of like values, maybe related to some of our differences with financial values, it really is about fear. And my fear and your fear seems to be the same, that like we're really afraid of losing one another, of losing what we have. And when you get down to that, I call it like emotional vulnerability, or we were talking about this concept of emotional humility being able to say like this isn't about winning the argument this isn't about being right this is about me being able to say like yeah I'm acting this way because I don't feel loved or because I'm afraid you don't love me as much as you used to or I'm afraid I'm not as exciting as I used to be like when we can get down to our core fears then 
I find when you express that to me, I'm so much more open to hearing what you have to say. I just want to love you. I want to take care of you. Um, I move from that all or nothing catastrophizing thinking of, I hate this guy. Why is he such a jerk to me? Um, to, oh, I get it. Like, this is why you're acting this way. And I, I don't know if I'm providing enough context to really clarify uh, what I'm trying to say, but Ultimately, all of our fights come down to some sort of a fear that you don't care enough about each other, that you don't prioritize that. I'm, like I've said to you, when you're on your phone, I feel like I'm not enough for you. Like what you see right here isn't enough. So you're on Instagram or you're on something and, else. And, and I don't think that that is the case oftentimes with most people in relationships. It's you know, a fleeting moment where you're distracted by something else and your partner is the most important person to to you and uh, you just don't convey it in that moment and it's easy how a, a quick 10 second or 20 second second action can convey something that you don't mean to the person that you're with but it's um you know these are all deep-rooted issues that we could have long conversations with but i think the biggest thing for us if i were to give one last little piece of, of advice or I guess commentary on our fights is that we, we do, we push through and sometimes we're pushing through and pushing through. Well, at least I am, especially when I don't want to be. And then all of a sudden there's this moment where you understand the other person and you have this, this, um, this moment of clarity and you're empathetic and you're sympathetic towards the other person's position and things start moving back towards good. But getting to that point sometimes <laughs> takes hours yeah. uh, to get to. And But once you're there, both people have a willingness, or at least we have a willingness to push through and the, the argument is resolved. And we, but take, we take the time to fight too. But it's getting to that point. Yeah, we've had some sleepless nights, man. Yeah, like, we take the time and I, I see people who just walk away and let things go and I always think, um, sometimes I'm a little jealous. I'm like, why can't we just walk away and let done. things go? But then they come back. And this is the thing. We fight to relieve stress. We fight because we know that sometimes smaller fights about lighter issues can help reduce the likelihood of more explosive, damaging fights. We fight to improve understanding. And again, I really want to emphasize fights don't always mean big, huge arguments. Sometimes it's just a high tension conversation. And we also have these fights and conversations to convey our needs, to delineate what you know, what behavioral adjustments we want from our partner, because it is okay to make behavioral adjustments for your partner. I've heard people say like, oh, he wants me to change. Change what? You know, change the way you say thank you, change your manners at the table. Those are things that are perfectly okay to change. You're going to change over your life lifetime. So we have these fights and all couples have these fights with good reason. So if you are fighting, I encourage you you know, just to make the most of your fights. You know, in our case, when we look at tech, we need to set, I think, more rigid rules, take it a day at a time, and call each other out. And when it comes to food, <laughs> I mean, I guess that's more on, on my side. I need to be more understanding that food is not necessarily the way you communicate love, and I think you need to be understanding and say this is a very easy way to show love. And then in terms of how we fight, I know I need to work on my all-or-nothing thinking, uh, that cognitive distortion. And I know you, you can call me out on that. And I can learn from you. I, I mentioned some of the things Brandon does well, which is at no point does he give up. He keeps saying, I will, I'm willing to work on this. And as soon as he says that, I'm like, I let a little tiny piece of my anger go. Um, you show affection. 
uh, you do call me out, which I need some of. And so I encourage you that, you know, I encourage all of you to kind of lean into your fights. Not fighting, in fact, can be problematic because oftentimes it's a sign that one person is capitulating more often than not, if not all the time. So I don't know that we have any, I mean, I could give you some data and, um, some of some info on what the research says about fighting. Maybe I'll put that down below in some text. But this is just our tiny little. <laughs> this is it. This is us. Yeah, kind of weird. Very weird for me to just talk about my relationship in a unscripted way. But thanks, babe. Yeah, well, you're doing it. I'm glad that I didn't start a fight. Yeah, that too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we m- might have uh, right before almost had a little. Yeah, tip. maybe a maybe a little yeah. disagreement. Yeah, it's hard. Um, when you're going to just get together and talk about your relationship for other people. Like it's always one of my fears, wondering how much information I should put out there and how much I shouldn't. Uh, only because as much as I like all of y'all, my, my priority is preserving this relationship above all else. I agree. So, yeah. I'm, I'm going to stop there. Thanks so much for listening to this very personal episode. Follow along at sex with Dr. Jess. And if you want to find my uh, pretty partner here, Brandon, where he is, where in Toronto, Brandon, and where is his last name? W a R E. Have a great week, folks. If you do get in a fight, don't be too hard on yourself, but be kind to each other. And we will talk again soon. You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Improve your sex life. Improve your life.